yoga teachers, mindfulness leaders, and energy workers. Are you ready to stop side hustling and start making an income doing what you love? Welcome to the Marketing Off The Mat Podcast. Each week, your host, Jessica Cross, dives into conversations with successful creatives in wellness, business, marketing, and more to uncover practical methods to take your business from A to B and have some fun along the way. Grab some tea and pull up a seat. Let's dive into this episode. Welcome to Marketing Off the Mat. It's Jessica, your host, and thank you for joining us today. We are talking about the three boons of a yoga business with my friend, Barbara Cortell. Barbara has been practicing yoga since the late 1980s, and she started practicing with the Iron Guards, but she's explored various Hatha traditions that include Jiva Mukti, Ashtanga, Vinyasa, and of course, she has delved more into the yin and restorative and meditation, sound healing sides of things, which we all know and love here on this show. Barbara also mentors yoga teachers who want to make yoga their full-time profession. She is currently writing a book on yoga philosophy to help yoga teachers bring the wisdom of yoga to their students in a practical way. We can't wait for that to drop. So let's dive into this episode. Hey, Barbara, how are you? Great, Jessica. Great to see you. So good to see you. Thanks for being here. I'm just so glad that you took the time. This is going to be a fun chat. It's my pleasure. Thanks for inviting me. Oh my gosh, absolutely. Okay, so we got to hear a little bit about you in the intro, but I know there's just so much more uh, behind behind the scenes that uh, you know makes you you. So we want to hear a little bit about you, about your yoga journey, and then how that brought you into today. Yes, yeah, so I started a long time ago, and obviously yoga has changed a lot during that time, and now we're in a completely different phase, so it's exciting, and yeah, it's interesting to look back at the very beginning when I was taken, dragged off to yoga with a boyfriend of mine who was a, a very dedicated practitioner, and he was also a Buddhist and did a lot of meditation. Anyway, I was an artist. My whole thing in life was to do art, and that's all I was interested in. And uh, my first yoga class was not a great experience. It was quite intimidating and I was shamed and I got to experience uh, the not so great side of, you know, that kind of yoga. But that's for some reason I went back <laughs> <laughs> and uh, never in a million years would I have thought that yoga would become like my life, basically. So it's interesting, the things that we think are going to happen and the things that actually happen. and. You know, once you get the once you get into it, it just becomes your life, and um, it's a little bit. Uh, when I talk to new yoga teachers, it's really exciting because it reminds me of that time when you. It's like falling in love. You know, it's like oh, they're in love, or sometimes it's lust. Sometimes they're in lust, and it fades out <laughs> <laughs> because you know it's difficult. Like any relationship, it's difficult, and it takes work. And sometimes the, you know, they fall in love and then it becomes a lifelong practice like it has for me. So it's always really nice to see people's journey and how it develops. And it's different for everyone. There's not a, there's not a, a generic recipe. Hmm. I, lo I love that. I also love that you were generous enough to share with us that your very first class wasn't that lust or love experience that we so often hear about. <laughs> No, it was terrible. I was shamed and I was made to feel really small. I mean, it taught me how not to teach yoga, put it that way. <laughs> Absolutely. What a lesson. 
Yeah, and we learn from we learn from people that don't do things right. You know, just like we learn from mistakes, it's exactly the same. So I'm grateful to that yoga teacher. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. And I'm grateful that you went back. <laughs> yeah. I can't imagine, you know what, especially with that whole COVID thing that we've had, and I've had my own personal tragedies in the last few years, I can't imagine how I would have coped without my practice. Like, seriously, I don't know how people cope with life. (laughs) I really don't. I am with you. I 100% agree. And I'm just so glad that there's people like you practicing and teaching and you continuing to share the message because I think that's why we are all here. We know how important and vital really these practices are, especially in times like these. So yeah, good stuff. Good stuff. Okay. So you, you went back, (laughs) you found, you found the practice that really lit you up and has become such an important part of who you are today and has supported you through all these twists and turns. So and you mentioned you love talking with new yoga teachers. I know you mentor yoga teachers. So tell, tell me a little bit about that. Tell us how you kind of got started in supporting other teachers and, and building their businesses. It's something that started with the pandemic, really, because that's when we all started to pivot, go online and completely change the way that we taught yoga. And of course, a lot of people were struggling with that. But I always say I think yoga teachers did really well in pivoting and trying new things and just going for it. And that's a really great lesson. You just go for it and you try and you get your ego out of the way and get that sense of it has to be perfect and I have to know everything before I start. And so many teachers just went for it and um, it's fantastic, you know. And it's like we've created this whole new genre if you like or this whole and if I think when generations after us look back into the history of yoga this will be a particular thing that they'll you know that will pinpoint a particular time in history so we're part of that which is exciting um, as much as it's been challenging and also you know there's grief attached to that when you have to let go of away I mean especially someone from my generation you know when I started yoga it was in people's living rooms <laughs> you know it was very and it was quite um what's the word like it wasn't mainstream it was quite unique and um something a little bit out of the norm and it, uh, more hidden if you like and then it became very commercial so there's grief with that you know because you don't want your little precious little gem of a thing that you do to be bastardized <laughs> so true um so yeah it's interesting but it's great to be in that journey and as um with the new yoga teachers that I teach I sort of wonder oh where will they be like in 30 years in 40 years in 50 years because you know this is a lifelong practice and they'll look back and and see their own you know their own little contribution within that huge um tradition that we're all participating in so it's it's great to be part of that yeah, it's actually, I love the way you put that. It's really exciting. I, I think, um, you know, sometimes we get kind of in the weeds and we can't see that bigger picture of we are, uh, you know, <laughs> we joke about funnels. Um, if, you, if you've listened to the podcast or you follow Barbara and I on Instagram, we, we kind of joke joke about the the fundamentals of business in some ways, or it's like, you know, we, we get stuck in the funnel, we're in the Instagram slog or marketing our butts off, telling everybody how to get the yoga from us. And we don't always see this like wider lens of how 
how much historically has happened in this practice in our time alone. It's kind of incredible. And we get to be a part of it. Yeah. It's really, really neat. Yeah. And there's, I think there's also that tendency to be a little bit sentimental about how things were. And sometimes we don't appreciate the good things about because, you know, it's not, there's always both sides to a coin. Mm, that's so true. Yes, I, I think there there's a bit of grief, a little mourning, you know, even even from my own teaching practice, I, I lost some studio jobs in the pandemic. I know many of us listening and, and you know, maybe even you too, Barbara, kind of experienced a loss in, in, in many ways, you know, through this, but also too, I'm not sure that you and I would be speaking if it weren't for the pandemic. I don't know that this podcast would exist if it weren't for the pandemic. So yeah, absolutely. Podcasts have been a, a great thing that's come out of the pandemic. And also, you know, Instagram, as much as we, we bag it out. <laughs> I mean, I've met so many cool people through Instagrams, people that are like, like I'm friends with. Yeah, but me too. Were, and before, I think before we were so much into social media, it was teaching yoga was even more isolating. So it's a really nice way to connect for sure. So we need to, you know, appreciate the good things. Yeah, it's two it's two sides of the coin, as you said. It, it goes hand in hand for sure, and it's it's easy to forget, you know, when we're, when we're kind of in the thick of things. Just you know how, how much good we actually have at our fingertips <laughs> as teachers, uh, and, and yeah. how lucky we are to be able to practice and teach this wonderful philosophy and tradition. Like it's, it's a it's an honor, it's a privilege. It is a privilege, absolutely, to have the time and the resources and and everything that it takes just to, you know, step on your own mat or step up at the front of the room, you know, however that works out for you. It, it, there's there's a lot that goes into it. Yeah. For sure. So, you know, one of the things we were talking about today, which I'm just super excited to, to get into with you to kind of dive in is, you know, we're talking about um, the boons of a yoga business or three boons that are required for a successful yoga business, which is just, I'm like, oh, please tell us more, Barbara. I'm so excited. <laughs> <laughs> so I think, um, you know, if you've gone through a YTT, you've studied yoga philosophy and, and, you know, even minimally, you've probably heard the word boon used. And, you know, for our conversation, I just kind of want to set the foundation for us and for everybody who's listening. Can you just give us a quick definition of what a boon is in general terms. Sure. So first I have to admit that that little title is a hook. <laughs> <laughs> we love a good hook. <laughs> it's a hook. I mean, I wish there were just three things that you needed to do to, do to be a successful, you know, to have a successful yoga career. But it's just a cute little hook. And I, I like to use words that go back to the tradition and to the philosophy of yoga. So the three boons um, that I know, that I think of, is that from the Kata Upanishads. So it's a story in the Upanishads about uh, Nikachita, who is kind of like a new yoga teacher. He's young, but he has a lot of wisdom in his heart. And he's banished to go and see the king of death, Yama, by his father. And then when he get, goes to the king of death, Yama's not there. And that's a big no-no in that tradition at that time. You always have to greet your guests, especially if they're Brahmins and, you know, you feed them and you give them water. So when the king of death returns three days later, he's horrified that he hasn't been here to greet the guest. So he gives him three boons as a kind of a gesture. 
as a, you know, please forgive me, I'll give you three boons, whatever you like, whatever you want, um, just ask me. So that's where it starts. And Nachakita asks for peace with his father because he's had a fight with his father. That's how he's ended there. So that's the first thing. So when I think about that, I think that idea of being having a community that is peaceful and harmonious. So to me, I translate that in terms of building a yoga career is your community, having your own little community that's in harmony with what you stand for and what you're into. So that's the first boon. The second boon he asks for is a teaching about a fire ceremony, which gets you to the celestial realms. So a lot of yogis don't want to come back to this world, right? They want to leave the, the samskara wheel. They want to end up liberated so that we no longer have to suffer. So it's uh, yoga is essentially about uh, releasing ourselves from suffering. So Yama teaches him this ceremony, which comes from the Vedas. So the Vedas are all about rituals and ceremonies to get things, you know. So he teaches him that. And then he's so good at performing that. He's so, um, he puts a lot of confidence. He's quite confident for a young man. And he learns this ritual and he's given that boon. Um, so that to me relates to confidence. So the second aspect of what I teach is this idea of building confidence and building comes confidence comes from practice because yoga is a practice so you can't get around the fact that you need to practice <laughs> no matter how much you read or whatever you just need to do the thing and do the thing before you're ready to do the thing don't wait for everything don't wait for all your ducks to be lined up because then you'll never do the thing so that takes courage, and, and I like the analogy of fire because it's the fire burning within, the passion. So you need that certain amount of passion. And a lot of yoga teachers have it because if you don't have it, you don't, you don't get very far. That's true. And, yeah. And then the third boon, which is the big one, it's always in these stories, it's always the third ones that's the, you know, da-da, what have we got now? And he asks for the secret of death, therefore the secret of life. What's it all about? What's the Atman? Where does the soul go? Do we come back? All the big questions, which is what yoga philosophy tries to delve into. Like, isn't that the big questions of life, right? Why are we here? Why are we doing this thing? What's my Dharma? What's my purpose? All these things come from this little question of his. And so Yama is very reluctant to answer this question because it's huge. He's asked him a huge thing. And so he tests him. He says, look, I don't really want to answer that. I don't know if you're ready for that, but I'll give you all this. I'll give you the elephants and all the women and all the this and all. And the story goes on and on, and he offers him all these base that we kind of want or we think that we want. Don't want that. that. What's the point of having these things when I'm going to die anyway? Everything is impermanent. Everything's going to go. So what's the point of having this pleasure or what's the point of having all this stuff when it's just not going to last anyway? And so that's his test. And, I, and he passes the test by refusing all of these temptations. So that's the third aspect, I think, is commitment. The commitment, you need to be really committed to the path because otherwise it's very easy to get distracted and to give up 
Why? Because there are lots of other things that you can do in this world where it's a lot easier than being a yoga teacher. <laughs> Ain't that the truth? So I, I, I love this particular Upanishads because I think it's really it's, it's inspirational and it's a way to remember to remember the why, the big why. I love the way that you've related this back to teaching and having a teaching practice and a yoga business because it's so relatable. And I think, uh, you know, we could all take something from this and use it towards our business, towards daily life, which is, you know, why these yoga texts have lasted as long as they have. It's, it's why, you know, obviously why we teach, there's there's something here for us that's uh, very human and uh, can help guide us. So it how how better than to relate that back to business? It's so good. So if you'll repeat those three boons for us just one more time, it's community. Oh, community, confidence, and commitment. The three C's. It's another little hook. <laughs> yeah. Barbara, you're so good. That's I love it. So the the three C's or the three the three boons of a, a successful yoga business. So 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 good. So I, I kind of love how you ended with the third one about the the story about his uh, the temptations, the potential for him to take in all of these riches instead of getting the actual answer to you know, what is life? What is death? You know, why are we all here? How does it all go? Which is you know, also a very humanizing question, all the questions that we have kind of leaning underneath. So, you know, how, how do we, here's a question I didn't ask you ahead of time, by the way, <laughs> how do we avoid those temptations where, you know, we see uh, you know, something really, you know, shiny that's outside of the yoga world where it's like, God, it would be just so much easier if I would drop all of this yoga stuff and go take my corporate job back or how it would be so much easier if I, you know, didn't have to teach that 6.30 a.m. class and I just give it all up. Like, how do we stay true to ourselves and to the person that signed up to be at the front of the room to be the teacher. How do we how do we stay committed and and uh, in the face of all of these different things that could be really distracting? Yeah, it is it is very distracting. But these are the tests. And look, it, it's all in the heart. It's all in meditation and in the heart. You need to really meditate on your heart space. That's where the Atman is. That's where the, your soul lives. And you need to. And that doesn't mean that people shouldn't go and have corporate jobs. Like sometimes. Often I say to people, the, the teachers that I work with, keep your job, like keep your job and just build slowly. You don't have to chuck in your job. It's not about that. It's not, it's not like you're going to get some big medal because you've done that because sometimes that's not appropriate. Like sometimes, you know, this finan real financial commitments that you need to be, you know, sensible about. So it's not... It's not that I'm saying that people that aren't teaching full-time or whatever, there's something wrong with them, not at all. You have to follow your heart and at the same time have, you know, follow the dharma of society. So there's the personal dharma and there's a societal dharma and the people who you're responsible for if you've got children or whatever it might be. So it's a balancing act and it's not going to be the same for everyone. But at the end of the day, you've got to listen to your heart. Mm, yeah, that's and so good. You, know, you need to really have a meditation practice for that or whatever meditation is for you. 
Mm, yes. Yeah. That's so powerful. And it, it isn't just, you know, something that we do every single day, but it, that meditation or the meditative practice, whatever it looks like is the thing as so we, at the top of the show, so we've got, we can't avoid our practice. We got to be practicing. So this is the thing that we lean into that's going to help us decipher, you know, really, you know, what, what our heart is desiring and what, which way that we have to go to be in alignment with the societal dharma that you mentioned. Yeah, because at the end of the day, it's the yoga practice that gives you that that ability to discern. Yeah. That's that's why we do it. I mean, we we get wiser. Mm. We get wiser with time and practice. So the longer you do it, the more consistent you are, the more you will know within yourself. So it's not about me or anyone else telling you. You need to listen to the self. Yeah. And that's and exactly what you said. It's exactly what we're cultivating with our practices, the awareness and the ab- ability to get quiet. And aside from all the distractions, really listen to what it is that our heart is asking for. And that's no one else can tell us how to get there. It's on, it's only within it's within each of us that we have to listen. It's so good. Yeah, it's yeah. so good. Uh, I just could talk about philosophy and yoga and business all all day long this is just so much fun (laughs) I know right so okay so if you could go back at any point in your previous career or in any previous version of yourself and just whisper a little something in your ear that would save you a few sleepless nights or maybe a headache or two what would it be I've made so many mistakes, Jessica. It's not even funny. (laughs) Every every mistake is a lesson, just like that horrible teacher that I had. You know, you learn from, that's just what we do. We learn from our mistakes. However, I think, just like I was saying, don't wait for things to to do something. If If you get that spark, don't wait, just do it. It's also the same in reverse to listen to your intuition. There's things that I've hung on to far too long. And even though I knew that that time was up, so it's kind of like the reverse of that. But it all comes back to exactly what I said, listening within, trusting your higher self. And you need to you need to be able to discern what that voice is within, because we have so much wisdom in the wisdom body. We need to dig deeper. You know, we go through the koshas until we get there. And that's where you need to land. So that's why meditation is really important. You need to find that quiet and listen. And in order to listen, everything needs to be very quiet. Mm. Yeah, that's so true. That's so true. So you're but, saying we, if we just meditate, <laughs> it's all, it's practice and all is coming, right? <laughs> I think it's the most powerful practice we yeah. had at our fingertips. It took me a long time to be able to meditate. Like I was practicing yoga probably for about 20 years and never, I I couldn't even like chill out in Shavasana. I'd be lying there in Shavasana. I'd be going, okay, what am I doing next? This planning and the biggest planner, like I'm, I'm a very organized person. So my mind loves to plan. My mind loves those lists, you know? And it took me so many years. And then one day just came to me like this. One day just dropped and then I was like, oh, this is what everyone's talking about. I had my little samadhi moment, you know, very brief, but it was so powerful because once you get that, there's so much relief 
all that stress, all that anxiety, all that worry, everything just lifts and you just see things so clearly. And that's when you can really trust yourself and trust the universe by listening. So once I once I had that experience, I was just hooked. That's it. I, med- I mean, I'd meditate religiously every day. I need to. I just need to to cope with life. <laughs> yeah, yeah, a lot of coping to do too. I so I can so agree with that. <laughs> and, and thank you for being, you know, just sharing kind of behind the lens that you practiced for twenty years before you were able to to meditate. So it, you know, it's not always an overnight thing, and it's not always calm and peaceful on the inside, uh, even as teachers. Yeah, it's a strange thing. It comes to you maybe when you need it. Yeah. And I, I love too. I think uh, you mentioned, we mentioned a little bit in your intro too, as you kind of started with those, those more like uh, movement practices, a little bit, you know, more intense with your practice. And then you kind of have moved more into the yin and the restorative, which I think sometimes people think those practices are easier because you're not, you know, doing 15 vinyasas or whatever it is as a part of that practice. But I actually think there's so much more difficult to sit with yourself in, in those poses for so long. <laughs> yeah, those, those practices are very powerful. Um, I've just noticed, especially yin yoga, like my body just craves it because it really rejuvenates you, rejuvenates you on so many deeper levels emotionally mentally you know when I'm when I'm feeling really exhausted I can just sit with legs up the wall or something even for five minutes or if there's a heat wave or whatever and it's just amazing how it shifts everything and all you're doing is just lying there listen you know breathing listening to your breath it's really powerful Mm -hmm. That's not to say that, you know, strong practice tappers is really important as well because we want to create space in the body. So it's all, all of it is great. Yes. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's kind of about fi- finding and, and picking little pieces and parts for the different practices. And, and that changes also with the seasons um, around us and also the seasons in our own lives to, you know, what we really need. Yeah, absolutely. It changes day to day, depending on how you've slept, what, you know, how hydrated or dehydrated you might be. That's why meditation is actually the most uh, powerful thing to do first. So you just sink in. What do I need today? And I do that at the beginning of all my classes if I'm teaching people. Mm. Just first, just what do you need? And then create that intention, you know, Sankalpa. That's really powerful too. So that you're not doing the same thing every day or your intention's not the same every day. Yeah, that's that's really good and, and, and really great tips too for being at the front of the room too, just dropping in first before you start teaching. I love that. That's really good. Okay, so how can we find you if we want to hang out with you a little bit more outside of this podcast? So my website is simply my name, Barbara, B-A-R-B-A-R-A, Courtille, C-O-U-R-T-I-L-L-E, all just in one word, .com. So if you go to my website, it's got all the other links to all the other things. Easy enough. Okay, well, perfect. It's very easy. Good. Well, we'll be sure to put a link to your website in the show notes too. And I know you're working on a really exciting book coming up pretty soon. So hoping that maybe we can 
uh, follow along on Instagram or all in all the platforms to see how that's going. And then you'll let us know. So maybe we even come back on the show and we can hear a little bit more about it. Yeah, I've just started writing it. So I don't, I have no idea how long it's going to take, but it's a, it's a challenge for me. We all need to challenge ourselves. I'm not a writer. I've never, I love writing. Like I write, I love writing blogs and posts and so forth, but I've never write, written a whole book. And to me, people that write books, I sort of look up to them. And I thought, just do it. It's like what I was saying before, just have a go. I mean, you know, what's the worst that can happen? Right. <laughs> so I'll be sharing little snippets of that uh, in my newsletter. So if you want to join my newsletter, I send uh, a blog every week. I try not to make it too long. I try to make it as interesting as possible. And I think I'll be sort of like putting little bits of what I'm going to be writing about, which is based on yoga philosophy. But I want it to be very practical. I'm a very grounded and practical person. I'm not an academic. I'm not sort of looking at these tests for the sake of it or for arguing points or anything like that. It's just how can we take these teachings and are they are they applicable to us in this day and age? And if so, how can we use them? And how can we translate that to our students? Because that's what we're here for as teachers. It's not, you know, we have our own practice, but we need to share. Yeah. Yeah. And that's incredible. I'm so glad that you are doing this and that you finally said, you know, why not? Why not me? Let me be, let me be this, this author that I look up to. It's so awesome. We can't wait to hear more about the book. Yeah. Hopefully I'll be speaking to you about it one day. (laughs) I Let's just call it in. I think it's going to happen. So, (laughs) well, thank you again for being on. It was so awesome to chat with you today. You too. And thanks for the work that you do, Jessica. I'm loving your podcast. I've really enjoyed uh, following you on Instagram as well. And you're such, you've got such nice energy. So thank you. Thank you. That's so kind. Such, such a great connection. So glad. <laughs> oh, I'm so grateful for that chat with Barbara. I really enjoyed learning from her incredible wisdom and experience in the yoga industry. And we're just so grateful that she took the time and shared so deeply from the philosophical side of yoga and how that really marries beautifully with the yoga business. So definitely go give her a follow on Instagram. She's at Barbara underscore Cortell. That's C-O-U-R-T-I-L-L-E underscore yoga. You can find her over there and we'll include links to her website as well. And I think we should have Barbara back on when that book launches. What do you think? So let me know what you thought of this episode on Instagram. You can DM me. It's at jessicacross.co. I'd love to know your thoughts and maybe what you'd like to see in future episodes. Until then, I hope that you keep showing up your business in such a true and clear way. And we'll catch you on the next episode. Thanks for listening to the Marketing Off the Mat podcast and give yourself some gratitude for taking action in your wellness business journey. Please share this episode with someone you know who could use a fresh dose of inspiration. And we'd be thrilled if you would rate, review, and subscribe to Marketing Off the Mat on Spotify, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you get your podcasts. Want to share an idea with Jessica? DM her at jessicacross.co on Instagram to continue the conversation or find out how she can help you take the next right step in your business. Until next time, stay inspired and keep showing up.